so good to see you this morning in the house of God. And uh, back to a pastoral message this morning. The last two Sundays I've preached pretty hard. And uh, we're going to look at some things I think will help us this morning. If you would, stand with me, please. And uh, as you turn there, we're going to be studying a little bit of praise this morning. We're going to look at the prayer of Hannah, the prayer of praise. Boy, I tell you, we ought to be people of praise this morning. Somebody say amen. Amen. Well, listen, we got so much to be thankful for. I've got so much to praise him for this morning, don't you? I mean, what a blessing it is to be saved and to have this wonderful church to worship in. Thank you for being here. Let's read together from 1 Samuel chapter number 2, only 10 verses. And Hannah prayed, 1 Samuel chapter 2, and Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoiceth in the Lord. That's where we ought to be this morning. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is nothing holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more exceedingly proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired themselves out for bread, and they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. Watch this. The Lord killeth. And the Lord maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up again. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he hath set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints. Praise God. And the wicked shall be silent in darkness for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces out of heaven, shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth and shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Wow, what a prayer of praise. Her mouth, her heart was full of praise. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for our precious church and for all those that have come out to worship you this morning. I pray you'd teach us from your word. Help us to look into the perfect law of liberty and and be filled therewith. Father, would you bless the message now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As we read Hannah's prayer here, we find that it is a prayer of praise. She is rejoicing in the fact that God has moved in her situation. But it was not always like that. Her prayer was not always a prayer of praise. As a matter of fact, if you turn back to chapter 1, and we looked at it maybe at Mother's Day, but... If you turn back to chapter 1 where we studied before, we find that Hannah is in a bad spot. And her prayer in chapter 1 was a petition. She was asking God for something. She was asking God for something that God was not giving her. And she was so distressed and perplexed. And she was so downhearted. And she, But Hannah just kept praying. She petitioned God for a real need in her 
our life. Can I tell you something this morning? It is our predicaments in our lives that help us to learn how to pray. Somebody say amen. Our predicaments many times shape our prayers. There are people in this auditorium this morning, and we've all prayed many different kinds of prayers. I hope you prayed before you came to church, and there's prayers of petition that is asking God for something. That's what Hannah did in chapter 1. There's prayers of praise. We just read that. There's prayers of invitation to invite the Lord to lead us and guide us. There's prayers of invocation to ask for His direction. There's intercessory prayer when we pray for someone else. God help us. The Bible says pray one for another. There's prayers that are called imprecatory prayers and those prayers are to pray against something. Amen. We ought to be praying against some things. Amen. Somebody say amen. And so what are we praying against? There's prayers of revival, prayers of revealing, prayers of reminding. But but Hannah's prayer here is a prayer of praise, but it had not always been like that. In chapter 1, Hannah had an adversary. There was something in her life that was just that was just really bothering her. You see, she was married to a man who had two wives. That's never good. Somebody say amen right there. Yeah. One man was accused of polygamy. And uh, he went to court. And uh, he asked the lawyer, he said... Who is accusing me of polygamy? And the lawyer said, well, your wife. And he said, which one? (laughs) So it's never a good idea. Listen, God created one man for one woman. God created one woman from one man. Amen. He created Eve and not Steve. That's another message. But he did not create, listen to me carefully, God did not create Eve and Evelyn and Edna and Edith and Elizabeth for Adam. He created Eve. One woman for one. God took one rib out of man and created him and helped meet, not help meets. So anytime you find polygamy, you'll never find the complete blessings of God. And Hannah was faced with an adversary. You know who her adversary was? It was her sister wife. Imagine that. There was trouble in the home with two women. Imagine that. A man has two wives and he's got trouble. Well, he asked, he brought it on himself. Amen. Amen. Somebody said that the, the, the punishment for having more than one wife is having more than one mother-in-law. Amen. <laughs> so Hannah is faced here with adversity. Hannah is the favored wife. Hannah's the favored wife. Penaniah, on the other hand, was not favored by the husband, Elkanah. But Penaniah was having children and fulfilling her purpose as a wife, and Hannah was barren. But Hannah was still favored. Let me tell you something about the favor. Sometimes people will be jealous of you and be your adversary because you're favored. I'm going to tell you something. I'm looking at some people this morning that are favored of God. Hey, listen, if you don't think you're favored of God, you slept in a good bed last night, you drove an air-conditioned car to church, you're in a beautiful church to to worship, hey, you are favored of God. If you don't think you are, you need to talk to that little missionary we had Wednesday night from the Philippines. Amen. Amen. You are favored of God. And yet, listen, 
Anytime you're favored by a person, you're favored on the job, you're favored in the church, you've got God's favor on you, somebody's going to be your adversary. They just are. It's human nature. And Hannah was favored of her husband Elkanah, and Penaniah was so jealous that she became her adversary. And yet, I want you to understand something here. Hannah did not just have one adversary in the home. It seemed, it appeared that God was Hannah's adversary too. For the Bible says that God had shut up her womb. God did. It didn't say there was a physical problem, it said God did. It didn't say there was a fertility problem, it said God shut up her womb. And the Bible says that her adversary provoked her. Hannah cried a lot. If you'll read chapter 1, she couldn't sleep, she couldn't eat, she was under all anxiety, she was in a terrible state. Let me tell you something, please don't miss this point. There's going to be times in your life when it seems that God does not favor you. There's going to be times in your life when it seems that even God himself is against you. And Hannah was at this point in her life when her adversary, her sister wife, was just provoking her and she was praying to God for a child. Oh, she wanted a child. That child would give her fulfillment. That child would give her purpose. That child would let her be the wife she wanted to be and the mother she wanted to be. And yet God seemed to be her adversary. Though she was favored of her husband, it seemed that even God himself was her adversary. And so there's going to be times when that, that is the case with us. And there'll, there'll be times when it seems that God is against you. There'll be times of bitterness, and there'll be times of anger, and there'll be times of resentment. And Hannah was facing all these things. So when we look at Hannah in chapter 1, let's really get down to where Hannah's problem was. In chapter 1, she had a personal problem. She had a problem because she had a physical debility caused by God. Second of all, her home was in a mess. Let me tell you something about the home. If your home is not good, hey, you need to get right with God and make that a sweet home. Your home can be a sweet home and a peaceful home. Your home can be a sanctuary just like this church. But Hannah's home was not a peaceful home. She was very frustrated because her home life was bad. Her personal life was bad. And then when we look at Hannah's church life, <laughs> she was in a bad spiritual state because the church was in a mess. Let me just say this. An old preacher said this many years ago. He said, you know, your life as a Christian is through basically three things. Your home, your work, and your church. And if your work life is all messed up, but your home life is steady, then you can pretty much handle it. You can juggle it. And if your home life is all messed up, and your work life is pretty good, then you can sort of handle everything. But if your church life gets messed up, you're in a mess. And Hannah's in a real mess here because her personal life is messed up. Her home life is messed up. And she's attending a church where Eli is the pastor. And Eli, I'm going to tell you from the Word of God, Eli is not right with God. There's corruption in the house of God. Oh, listen. 
The Bible says let judgment begin in the house of God. Don't let chaos begin in the house of God. Listen, her life, and I want you to think about this, her life in all three areas was just all messed up. That's where she is. Most people come to this state in life if their home life's messed up, their work life's messed up, the personal life's messed up, and they're not getting help down at the house of God. Most people, listen to me carefully, start searching for something. There are people that should be in these pews in Grosses Creek Baptist Church this morning who are out there, out of the will of God, searching for something. Something in their life is messed up. In their home life, in their personal life, in their spiritual life. And they're searching. And yet, they should be here being fed from the Word of God. Amen. It'll be a help. Hey, praise God. I don't care what's messed up in your life. Your church life's not messed up this morning. Praise God. Listen, the Spirit of God's here. The Lord's doing a work here. Thank Him for what He's doing. Amen. There are people, and listen, people lose their identity in life, and they begin to start searching. Did you know why that's people turn to substance abuse, drugs, and alcohol, and gangs? They're searching for something. You know why they go down? Listen, I'm just going to be honest. I love you. I'm just being honest with you. You know why they go down to the tattoo parlor? They're searching for something. They've lost their identity, and they want to mark their body for some reason. You know why people are, are doing body piercings and all this stuff? Oh, heavens. They're trying to find an identity. Hey, my identity's in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank God. I don't have to mark my body. I belong to Him. I don't have to pierce or cut my body. I belong to Him. Praise God. I found my identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll kill the service even further. I hope y'all don't put them rings in your noses. Good Lord, have mercy. We had a waitress yesterday at Cracker Barrel had a ring in her nose, and I'm like, holy moly, you look more like a pig than you do a woman. (laughs) My goodness. But what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, listen, why, why do people do that? They're searching for something. Amen. There's not a mark on my body. I don't want a mark on my body. And I'm like that old boy I played music with. We saw this guy all pierced up one time. He said, George, I plan on leaving this world with the same number of holes that I came with. <laughs> I figured y'all would get that sometime or not. Hey, Amen. What are you saying, preacher? There are people, listen, <laughs> there are people that are searching. I'm going to tell you something. I know who I am. I am born again. By the Spirit of the living God, I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I identify as a Christian because I am a Christian. I didn't do that. He did it. He did it on the cross of Calvary. Listen, I don't need to find an identity. He already gave it to me. Hey, he gave me love when I needed love. He gave me forgiveness when I needed. He gave me acceptance when I needed acceptance. What do I need all this other stuff for? I've got Jesus. I'm about to praise God. Thank God. So I found an identity. Listen, 
The searcher, the searcher only gets worse. The person who's searching, searching with alcohol, searching with drugs, searching with other relationships, searching with all the stuff I've already mentioned, the searcher only gets worse. But I'm going to tell you something. When you get to the point and get your heart right with God, you'll find out who you are. If you get your heart right with God, you'll find your purpose in life. Praise God. It's wonderful to find that identity. And so sometimes God allows, he had allowed infertility to come into the life of Hannah. And Hannah was searching. She couldn't find an identity as a wife because her husband had two wives. She couldn't find identity as a mother because God had shut up her womb. She couldn't find her identity in her career. She couldn't find identity in her home. And her church was so messed up. You get, if you read that, you'll even get angry at Eli, the preacher down there. My goodness, what corruption he had allowed in the church. You know what? Here's, here's where Hannah's strength lies. She didn't run down to the shell and buy lottery tickets and cigarettes and beer. Amen, preacher. You know what she did? Even though her home life, her personal life, it seemed even God was against her, her church was against her, she held to the unchanging hand of God. Amen. She is distressed, but she will not let go of God. Please understand this. When God withholds something in our lives, it's for our good. He may be withholding it because it would be detrimental. He may be withholding it because it's just not time for us to have it. Amen. He may be withholding it, so when we get it like Hannah, we rejoice in the fact that God is the giver. But when he gives it, we'll have a song of praise. Please understand that God sometimes allows bad people to come into our life, so we'll appreciate good people. He does. You got a bad boss in your life? You'll appreciate a good one when he comes along. You got a bad friend or in a bad circle, you'll appreciate a good circle when they, hey, you'll appreciate your, church, your, your Christian friends down at the house of God. Amen. Hey, let me say, well, let me just plug this in right here. Sunday school is designed to meet your individual needs, your age group. You may be a young person. Well, Sunday school is designed for that. You may be a young couple. Sunday school is designed for that. Plug in to Sunday school, get involved, put your input in it, and you'll get something out of it, praise God. Amen. Let's move on. Sometimes you have to experience a bad person in your life to appreciate a good person. Appreciate your Sunday school class. Be involved. Sometimes you have to get in a bad situation to appreciate a good situation. Sometimes you have to go through some evil things before you can sing a song of praise. Amen, preacher. Sometimes, listen, could Hannah have prayed this wonderful prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2 if she had not have been distressed? 
And the answer to that is no. This great song of praise that she has, she has it because she has gone through some problems in chapter 1. So this is where Hannah excels. She didn't give up on God. But Hannah did something that I preached on last week. And when I preached on don't play around on God, and I said don't try to make deals with God, Hannah tried to make a deal with God, and it seemed like it worked. Let's look at it in depth. She said, Lord, if you'll give me a son, I'll dedicate him to you. Uh, You remember I said that any time we try to bargain with God and we use a bargaining chip, it's probably something that we should have already been doing. Did you know Hannah should have already been praying that, Lord? Not if you give me a son, but when you give me a son, I will dedicate him to you. Amen. We dedicated the baby last week. Praise God. Hey, everything in our lives ought to be dedicated to the Lord. Our finances ought to be dedicated to God. Our life, our thoughts, our time, our talents. Everything we have, don't try to use, Lord, if you'll give me this, I'll do this. Wrong reason. Amen. Let me give you that. The Bible says in Ezekiel or Exodus chapter 13, God said, sanctify me all the firstborn of man and beast. He said, all the firstborn is mine. So God already had it written down that her firstborn should have been his, and she was bargaining with him. Lord, I'll dedicate this child to you if you'll give him to me. <laughs> so, but you know, here's the strange thing. God heard her prayer, not because she used this deal, not because she used this bargaining chip. He heard her prayer because she prayed with her heart. She prayed in anxiety. The Bible says she prayed with uh, her, she poured out her soul, number one. She prayed with a sorrowful spirit, number two. She prayed with the abundance of grief. God could care less about her bargaining chip. He saw her heart. Number two, God did not hear her prayer, so she would, she would dedicate Samuel. God heard her prayer because she was preparing her heart for prayer. Amen. God help us. Let me tell you something this morning. The greatest tool that you have been given as a Christian is your prayer life. It is the easiest and simplest thing that you can possibly do. It is the easiest tool that you can use. It is the, it is the tool that will give you the quickest results. It, and listen, why are we a prayerless people? Why do we go for days sometimes without praying? Why do we not use that easy, simple, efficient tool that God gave us? Hey, God help us to be people of prayer. People of small prayer. People of big prayer. People of fervent prayer. The Bible says, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. Hannah would not give in to all the things that was going on in her life. She held to God with tenacity, with diligence, with prudence. Hannah stayed with God. I'm looking at several hundred people. And every one of us is somewhere different in our lives today. No matter what is going on in your life, 
you cling to the unchanging hand of God. Don't be swayed by your circumstance. Don't be swayed by your situation. Don't be swayed by the people around you. Don't be swayed by your adversary or your problems or your home life. Listen, you hang on to God. Even if it seems that the heavens are brass, you keep praying. Even if it seems that God himself is against you, you keep praying. Even if it seems that God is never going to answer your prayer, you keep praying, amen. You'll never pray the prayer of praise in 1 Samuel chapter 2 unless we're prudent in prayer. The Bible says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. James 5.16 says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That word if fervently, effectual, or effectually fervent is this in the Greek. It is the word energeo. It is where we get our word energy. The Bible says if you are a Christian and you'll pour your heart out to God and you'll put some energy in that prayer, that God says it avails much. You know what's on the other end of that light bulb? There's a series of transmission lines and those transmission lines go back to a generating station where somebody is sitting there and they're putting some energy in those lines and those lines are transmitting that energy and there's light in this church this morning because there's some energy. There ought to be spiritual light in this church because there's some energy. The effectual fervent Prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The inner jail, that energetic prayer that says, God, I need this. I know you're the God of heaven. I worship you for the cross. I praise you for the blood, but I need this in my life. God said, I will answer that prayer. The effectual, fervent, energetic prayer. The Bible says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Let's look quickly. I've got just a few minutes to look at the prayer of Hannah. While Hannah's barrenness had caused her public shame and disgrace, all of a sudden she bursts forth in chapter 2. With praise. Why? Because God had finally answered her prayer. Hannah didn't go down to the beer store. Hannah didn't go down to the tattoo parlor. Hannah didn't go down to the body piercing station. Hannah, listen, Hannah didn't go out in the world and start searching. She held to God and God finally answered her prayer. She bursts forth in this chapter with praise. But I want you to notice this in verse number one. She didn't praise God for what she had gained. She praised God for salvation. We ought to be here this morning. If God had done nothing else for us, we ought to praise him for salvation. Praise him for the salvation. Listen, that salvation snatched us out of a future home in hell. That salvation has snatched us out of sin and set our feet up on a solid rock and established our going. We ought to be worshiping and praising Him this morning just simply in the fact of salvation. Her praise is not for what she had gained, but for God who answered. Her praise is not in the Son that she gained, but in the Sovereign who gave her grace. Let me say this, please remember this. We should never worship the supply 
we should worship the supplier. When God breaks through, I didn't say if God breaks through. I said when he breaks through and answers your prayer and gives you your petition, don't praise him for the gift. Praise the giver. Man, that speaks volumes to me. So often we ask God for something and he graciously gives it to us and that very thing that he gave us steals our heart from him. Oh, that hits home. You know, that's what's happened in America. God has so blessed us with, with all the comforts of life and all the comforts of home and all the comforts of driving and all the comforts. I mean, listen, y'all done got plans of going home and watching football with a bowl of beans, amen. And we, yet we let all those things steal our heart. Oh, let's not worship the gift. Let's worship the giver. So in verse number one, she says, I'm going to glory in salvation. She says, my horn is lifted up. That is, God has renewed her strength. In verse number two, she says, there is none like God. Boy, I like Hannah's prayer of praise. I'm going to tell you something. There's none like God. When I didn't have a friend, God was my friend. When I was a young boy, sleeping down on the river by myself, my daddy died, my home life was a mess, my church life was a mess, I was exactly in the shape of Hannah. Hey, God was still with me. Amen. Now, I was kind of angry at him, and I was kind of bitter toward him, and I had a lot of issues in my life as a young man because of all the things I went through, but God was still with me and working on me. She learned some humility in verse number three. Can I say this before I move on? Her, her praise breaks out into public praise. There will never be public praise until there's a private stand. Let me say that again. There'll never be public praise until there's a private stand. I don't know about you, but I can stand and tell you that there's none like God this morning. Amen. There's none like the friend he's been to me. When I've needed forgiveness, it's there. When I've needed restoration in my relationship with him, it was there. When I myself was searching for something in, in everything in this world, in friends and circles and relationships and things and jobs and money, he was still there wooing me back to him. There's none like Jesus. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. And so in verse 4, she, he, she not only, her, her prayer grows from not just praise, but prophecy. She said, the bows of the mighty men are broken. Let me tell you what that was a prophecy of. Hannah was going to give birth to Samuel and dedicate him to the Lord. She was going to fulfill her promise. And Samuel was going to rise up to be the greatest prophet that Israel had ever known. He was going to not just be a prophet. He was going to lead the nation. And he was going to break the bows of the mighty men of the Philistines who had the Israelites beat down. Samuel was going to raise up. Not only was her prayer a prayer of praise, it was a prayer of of prophecy. She, she predicts here immediate, the immediate judgment of God on the Philistines. It's apparent by the time we read two or three verses in her prayer of praise that God, listen to me carefully, 
God withheld that child from her for a reason for a while. Now it's evident that God, His purpose, His plan, His purpose for a little while was to say no, but she didn't realize that. All she realized that He was not answering. His purpose for a little while was to say slow, but she didn't realize that. All she knew was God wasn't answering. And now all of a sudden we realize why God has answered her prayer. The Bible says, oh, the depths of both the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Hannah could stand this morning and say, she could preach the message and say, weeping endureth for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Where are you at in your life? Are you weeping? Are you depressed? Are you downtrodden? Is there issues? Hey, don't turn to the world. Turn to Jesus. Don't turn to sin. Turn to the Lord. Hannah took this child, Samuel, and dedicated him to the Lord. And what a man of God that child became. (laughs) Name me one of Peninnah's children. Peninnah was blessed with all these children to begin with. But not one of them preached the word. Penaniah was blessed with all these children to begin with, but not one of them led the nation. Not one of them defeated a Philistine. Not one of them served the God of heaven. Not one of them's name can be remembered, but we all know who Samuel was. Praise God. Maybe God is withholding something from you for a reason. Hannah would be given the responsibility to raise one of the greatest prophets in the world. i got to hurry. i got to do this quickly. In verse 4, she realizes that God is a God that judges military actions. In verse 4, she realizes that God is a God who is in charge of poverty and hunger. She realizes that he judges, in verse 4, the the fertility of the soil. In verse 5, he judges the the infertility of women. In verse 6, the Lord judges in life and in death. In verse 7, the Lord judges in finances and promotion. In verse 8, he judges and raises up some to higher positions. In verse 9, the Bible says, He keepeth the feet of His saints. Please look up here at me right now. God's actions are not involuntary reactions. We often talk about a knee-jerk reaction. You know what a knee-jerk reaction is? You ever been to the doctor and the doctor says, cross your legs, and you cross your legs and they pop you on the knee with that little, whatever that thing is, I'm not a doctor, that little hammer, and your knee goes, whoop. That was an involuntary reaction. Please understand this. God never operates with an involuntary reaction. Everything he does is planned. Everything God does is well organized. So whatever's going on in your life, don't think that you're just a victim of circumstance, especially if you're his child. If you're his child, he is orchestrating things in your life. 
He's giving you things, but yet he's keeping some things from you. Barren times in all of our lives are going to come. Then she says in verse 10, it's a clear messianic prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Her prayer is turned into prophecy. And here's where we are in today's time, and I'll close the message. She says, the Lord is coming. Let me tell you something where we are today. We have atheists who don't believe there is a God. We have educators who don't acknowledge there's a God. We have sinners all around us who think that they're going to get away with their sin. We're surrounded by the wicked who think there will not be a reckoning one day. We're surrounded by people who are arrogant, who have a belief system that says they're their own God. We're surrounded by people who are crafty, who think they can evade the judgment of God. But my Bible tells me, Hannah says this at the end of her prayer, he will judge the ends of the earth. The Bible says, I saw the small and great stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. Please understand, church, everything in your life is not only orchestrated by God, but it is recorded by God. Oh, and then the Bible reminds us what manner of person you ought to be. What manner of man I should be that God is recording my private conversations, that God is recording my private viewings, that God is re recording my private words. Sobering thought, is it not? So let me say this. Where are you today? Are you discouraged? Are you disheartened? Your prayer hasn't come. Maybe it's something in your family, something in your life, something in your finances. Maybe it's something in the church. I don't know. I can't control everything that goes on in this church, but here's what I know as a pastor. Things happen inside the church. And I may look from the pulpit and think everything's hunky-dory, but you've got a problem somewhere. Let me say this. If you came to church just for church, church can drive you away. But if you came to church to give him glory, nothing can drive you away. Oh, I'm sure somebody will say something that maybe you took it the wrong way or maybe they inferred something or maybe you got your feelings hurt. Let me tell you something. I'm here to worship God. I'm here to make sure, listen, I tell everybody that we interview or employ this church, I want the best for Grosses Creek Baptist Church. Amen. Amen. And yeah, some people got problems, some people got issues, but hey, it's all about worshiping Jesus Christ. It's all about rejoicing in His salvation. Where are you this morning? Problem in your life? Won't you bring it to the Lord? Are you discouraged, troubled? Do you feel like you're in prison? 
Joseph was in prison for two years. God never moved, but all of a sudden he did. Oh, somebody needs help this morning. I feel that in my spirit. The altar's open if you need to pray. Why don't you be like Hannah? Instead of searching in the world, why don't you get on this altar? Instead of searching in all the other things that this world has to offer, why don't you come to Jesus? If you've got a special need in your life, would you slip up your hand and take it down? Preacher, i got a special need. God bless you, bless you, God bless you. Hands all over the building, special need. Why don't you bring those to the Lord? He knows where you are. Are you in prison? Joseph got out of prison. Are you in the dungeon? Jeremiah was in the dungeon for a while, but look what God did for him. Amen, they're coming. Come on. Give you, cast your burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Anybody else? What if maybe there's one here that say, Preacher, I'm lost. Listen, God's here this morning. The Spirit of God is here this morning. Preacher, I'm lost. I don't know Christ. I need to get started in the Christian life. I need to get out of the lifestyle I'm at. I, I know that I'm headed for hell without Jesus. I want to come to Jesus and be forgiven. Would there be one like that? Slip up your hand quickly. Take it down. Anybody at all? Preacher? I need to be saved. Why don't you bring that to Christ? Is your home falling apart? Well, the prodigal son came home and God put his home back together. Do you have an adversary this morning? You can persevere in prayer and be prudent in faith. Hannah said in her prayer that the Lord was coming. Can I tell you this morning, well, on the authority of the Word of God, Jesus is coming. The world is shaping up for the coming of Jesus Christ. The signs are shaping for the coming of Jesus Christ. He is coming. Look beyond the heartache of this world. See the invisible and do the impossible. The Bible says in Acts chapter 3 that the times of refreshing are coming. The times of refreshing Amen. Thank God. You can look this way. Lift up your head. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who hath delivered us from the wrath to come. The times of refreshing are coming. When I look at this world and I see the war in Ukraine, I see the famine in Africa, I see the disasters in the Philippines, I see an imminent war that's going to take place in China and Taiwan, Pakistan, India, Afghanistan. Iran is gearing up to come toward Israel. Hey, the times of refreshing are coming. I need to look beyond this world. I need to look beyond this newspaper. I've got another word. Amen. I'm a citizen of another country. Praise God. We stood this morning at Sunday school and we said the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. And yes, I'm a patriot. I love America. But I'm a citizen of an eternal kingdom. Praise God. 
There's no Congress there. There's no Senate there. There's no political